Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Brought to you by the Where to Hunt podcast. It's Tactical Talk with real hunters getting it done across the nation. Hey everybody, Eric Clark here with the Where to Hunt podcast. We're going to do another tactic talk and today on the line with us is Tyler Skaronsky with Hitting the Dream. He's out of western New York in the area where there's still woods and trees and fresh air. And today uh, we're going to be talking about hill country wind shifts and how to approach that as a public land hunter. Uh, Tyler, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. I, you know, I guess like I, I'm kind of the lucky one here because I was just reaching out to you and telling you how much I love the podcast and... Uh, you must have liked at least some of my cool pictures of the deer. So I got I got the chance to be on here. So I'm honored. Thanks. It man. looks like you're getting it done. So we want to hear how you're doing it. Oh, definitely. I'd, I'd, I'd love to share as much as I can. Cause I love getting information from other people, too. You know, I'm always learning. And if I can help someone else just a little bit, maybe even just hear it a different way, then, you know, maybe maybe they'll have some success this year. Absolutely. So uh, tell us kind of about the general concept of wind shifts in, in your area and kind of how you're tackling that. Yeah, so uh, if you were to look at New York, obviously, as far west as you can go to where uh, the corner of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario is, is uh, that's right around where I live. So that's actually on the flatter side. And that's where I used to hunt when I was a really young kid. But my dad lost the permission that he had when I was, wasn't even old enough to carry a weapon at that point. So an uncle of his showed us this public land down in the southern tier of the western part of the state. And at that point, you start to get into these uh, big ravines, high ridges, and uh, me and my dad, not knowing any different, just kind of walked around. You know, we actually got lost the first time that we ever did it because my dad used to hunt in Ellicottville, which is like ski country here, and uh, dealt with the same kind of stuff when he was younger. So he just always knew, you know, get up and away from people. So that's how it kind of started. And, uh, as the years went on, you know, I finally was able to carry a weapon myself. And so, uh, I, I always had this urge to want to figure it out for myself. You know, my dad had these spots that he, he shot some nice bucks in and most of them were at the gun and all that kind of stuff. And he always told me I could take, you know, my own spot and, you know, he'd move on and find something else. And I just, I never, I was never okay with that. You know, I just always want to try to figure out something new. So, in the era before all the the ability to hear, you know, firsthand information from all these great hunters, you know, the Dan Infaults, the all this kind of stuff, I started to learn some of it. And then about halfway through the stride, uh, all these awesome podcasts like yourself and, you know, all these different ones and YouTube videos and all that, you started to be able to curb the learning curve a little bit because you could hear it from other people and maybe a thought that you had that you wanted to try to figure out. Uh, someone already figured it out in a way for you, you know, so I started focusing more on wind and uh, my dad would laugh at me because he's just an old school guy, like I said, that sits in the same spot, you know, nine out of 10 hunts. And I started trying to figure out why, you know, 
why I couldn't get on deer, especially in the early season. Our early season is October. It used to be October 16th and probably five years ago, it got pushed back to the first. So that's our quote unquote early season. I know it's not necessarily early for other people, but yeah, ours it was, is it, September 4th or sorry, September 12th this year. So it's coming up pretty quick for us here in Wisconsin. Right, yeah. You're, you're pretty lucky. I'm, I'm actually headed out to uh, Nebraska to do some, some mule deer hunting cause they open up the first. So, but that's other than last year when I did it, you know, I was still waiting until October seeing all you guys shoot these big whitetails and early season stuff. And I was just getting too jealous. So I had to start making the trip out. <laughs> so um yeah so it was the typical you know you know what am i going to do if i'm going to hunt in the october mornings because i'm just an average joe and for the most part you know i i basically have saturday and sunday every week to hunt and if i get lucky maybe a day or two during the week after work if i got a close enough spot which there isn't as much public around me up here anyway so i had to make sure every hunt counted because i wasn't going to skip mornings so I started trying to figure out what I was going to do. And that's when I kind of started thinking about betting a little bit more and how I could get closer. And I did the typical things. The You got in, you know, you thought half an hour before sunlight was okay and it wasn't, you busted stuff out and I made all those mistakes. And if there's one thing aside from this wind talk that we're getting into, um, I'll say is no matter what anybody hears on any of these podcasts, you will learn so much more from every mistake that you have than every triumph you have you know so anything that anyone says on this awesome podcast take it try it screw it up a couple times figure out how to do it right figure out how to do it wrong and uh you'll be a better hunter anyway but um to get a little bit closer to the point that we were we were talking about before we got on the podcast i started figuring out that in early october my favorite days are when the wind switches overnight going into a morning so if you can get a wind switch let's just make it very generic and say it's something out of the south and it switched to something out of the north or even even if you call it it was out of the north and it switches to something out of the south so i don't want people to think this is just a cold front type of thing when that wind switches if you can get it so it's probably in a perfect world two hours before sunlight so you're getting in there and uh you know you're getting in there early because you know the deer are going to be bedded down early in early october and at that point, it's not swirling or switching while you're trying to get in. You know, it's already been established. And the one part I don't know about it is I don't know if it's that they're fat and full from eating all night or what it is. But I know it, we all know the bucks, are, those old bucks are in there and they're bedded on their spots. You know, maybe some some are a little bit more freelancey and, it, you know, they're, it's only an hour before light. But more often than not those big mature bucks are getting back to their beds you know two hours before light or whatnot and uh that wind switches and i gotta figure that the bucks just know that okay in this country i came to this spot because i've got a little bit of a visual advantage visual advantage and i've got the wind in my advantage and that's the biggest the two biggest things in this like bigger hill country kind of stuff um because there, I mean, there is thick spots, but a lot of the thick spots are down by the roads and down by the, you know, the parking areas and all that kind of stuff where there's more, the drainage kind of washes down and allows for more vegetation. So when they're up in these hills, they're going to bed with that wind advantage, you know, coming over the, everything you've heard already, the leeward side, got the thermals coming up as the day comes. Well, when that wind switches, 
you know, I got to figure they just, they don't got the energy to jump up the second it switches, or maybe it's that, you know, they're smart enough to wait to make sure it stays stiff and changes, but, uh, they get up, you know, it might be right at light or just after light and they want to switch. So I'll be on the, I will set up on the newly established leeward side of the ridge with the thought that it's going to come from um, with the wind at its back from the other point off the ridge. So where I try to figure, where I try to uh, attack these areas, if you imagine a lowercase t or a plus on a piece of paper, the buck's going to bed out on one of those the cross section of the T they're going to imagine one of those is the point. So they'll bet out on the one point and I'm going to set up on that opposite off the main line of the T in favor of the other ridge point. And in the mornings, the advantage I found is when that wind is coming across the top like that and you set up with your back to, you know, the dip of the other ravine or maybe a bowl, those thermals come up through there and it's just like, a wind wedge or something the two of them work together and as long as you're more than like five feet off the ground it just takes that scent and takes it right to the sky and i think that's another reason why these bucks when they get up they look so alert because they know until they get back to that next bed that gives them the wind advantage again they need to be visual and aware and you know scanning the whole area so i the two bucks my two biggest bucks i actually killed them on this exact scenario and I think that they were so hyped and aware is because they knew that they were, had lost the wind advantage. They're leaving with the wind at their back from an area that was just safe. And they knew everything that was around there. So now they don't have the wind to their advantage. They get to the top of the ridge and they want to then J hook down through the bowl or whatnot and come into that bed with the wind in their face. So like I said, it's, I think it's a great way to get out and have some sex in uh, the early season because you know, we all know that it's hard to get on a food source in the early mornings and take advantage of maybe those those four hunts. And honestly, for me, a lot of times it's only three hunts on the weekends because we live two hours from where we hunt. So, yeah, we could hunt Sunday afternoons, but wanting to get home and close up our camp and all that kind of stuff, uh, you kind of you lose out. You know that if, if you shoot something on Sunday night, you better make sure it's a point blank 15-yard shot double lung and hope it run towards the truck because it's a, it's a two hour drag out either way. So yeah, that's that whole concept of the, the wind switch betting. And this can also, the one of the two bucks that I'm thinking of that this was my biggest strategy. And um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's uncommon because I've seen younger deer do it, you know, like a three head and a half year old buck did it uh, last year. Uh, the year before, I got some video footage of a couple three-year-olds, a couple two-year-olds doing it. If you can find a spot where there's feed, so if you have like a high oak ridge or something like that, that's between those two points in which you believe the buck is going to bed and then transition through that feeding area, sometimes you can get lucky. And if they get back up, they'll kind of mosey through eating, kind of checking their surroundings instead of just kind of getting up and moving on a straight beeline almost panicked the my excuse me the second of the two bucks was uh was way more aware like i said i think he knew that he was in the danger zone by being up during daylight so he moved right across 
and the uh the first one he was way more uh chilled out kind of just eating acorns and then make he was making his way across that ridge and that's when he crossed in front of me and i had gotten the shot that i had i had gotten that day on that buck so i think it's just a, a like i said a subcategory of the whole concept of um buck bedding and hunting winds and thermals and stuff like that and i think that's what makes this podcast awesome because you can kind of break down these smaller um concepts within a, a bigger concept in these in these tactic talks like we're doing here right yeah, now Yeah, you nailed it on the head in the lowercase t example um if you haven't already you might want to consider doing a whiteboard session on that so people can fully visualize it i think that was a really good way to explain it and you know obviously this is very granular and narrow in terms of you know you still need to consider you know terrain uh to some degree you know where are the food you mentioned that a little bit as a thoroughfare um you know what what is the hunting pressure there's all these other things that still obviously come into play but this is another deeper tactic and approach when you have some of those other things in place and you're just trying to dial it in a little bit more i think you covered right. the topic really well i actually i've never heard of this before and i have been doing the podcasting for nine years and that specific very particular approach has not come up yet in our show so i appreciate you for sharing that with us yeah and i just as a quick point to it too it's something to keep it i'm not saying that and like i said earlier in the podcast try these things make the mistakes figure out what works for you and also take everything with a grain of salt right because yep. you know nothing any of us have ever said is uh is scripture but it's all important things to have in your back pocket you know you're not going to go golfing and take one club you want to have as many clubs in your in your yeah you want to uh, be prepared for different okay. scenarios right but chance yeah, favors so, the prepared mind and you know if you right. can continue to arm yourself with more knowledge you got another trick in your in your bag right right and the point i'm trying to make at that is another time to think of that is in that rut lockdown period so the times i've seen this the most um you know concrete that it's a good chance you're going to get on some sort of bucks and like i said my biggest bucks have both come off of this exact tactic ironically um is during uh the early season and then that lockdown like i said because a lot of the times those biggest mature bucks are going to try to push a doe in favor of him not being harassed or her not being harassed by other deer so now he's maybe not thinking as much about what's the safest thing for him as what will not push her scent around to other bucks so now if there's a wind switch and that doe already kind of wants to get up and stuff like that he's going to try to drive her not just necessarily to like the thickest cover or something like that but he's going to drive it to where the wind is back in his advantage so that he doesn't have to try to fight off other deer and stuff like that so like i said you know i'm not saying that scripture but it's another thing when you're trying to walk in the woods and say okay i haven't seen those bucks in a while i think we're kind of in that you know lockdown phase where we're just not seeing that hard cruising action if you see a that wind switch in the forecast and you can get yourself in a transition zone maybe between uh two different bedding areas where it would be beneficial for him to be in you have a really good chance of finding that buck trying to push that doe back into that cover where the other bucks can't harass him and her until he gets his job done. 